Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. As we begin our time together today, I want to ask you a very simple question. How purely do you love God? Maybe I could ask it this way. How devoted are you to God? Well, that's not always an easy question to answer, but I pray that this sermon that we're about to listen to will help you to answer that question honestly and uh, fairly today. If you'll open your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Kings, I want to talk to you this evening about a man who had a great beginning to his life. In fact, he went on to live a great life. The only problem is he came to a sad end. And that man's name, of course, is Solomon. Now, I don't know how much you know about Solomon. You probably know quite a bit, but let's just spend a moment or two reviewing this great figure in the Old Testament. First of all, he was the son of David and Bathsheba. He went on to become the king of Israel. In fact, he was the third king in Israel. There was Saul, and then there was David, and then there was Solomon. The Bible says that Solomon became the wisest person in the whole world, in the history of the world, other than Jesus. Solomon is the wisest person who ever lived. Not only that, he was the richest person who ever lived. And if you look in 1 Kings chapter 10, I'll show you in one verse about his wealth and about his wisdom. 1 Kings chapter number 10 and verse 23. It says, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. So he was wise and he was wealthy. Not only that, he built the temple there in Jerusalem. Remember his father, David, wanted to build the temple, but God said, David, I'm not going to let you do it. You've been a man of war. And I'm not going to let a man who has blood on his hands build my house, but Solomon can. And Solomon came along and he built that beautiful temple there in Jerusalem. Not only that, Solomon went on to write three books in the Bible. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of what? What do you think it might be? The Song of Solomon, right? He wrote those three books. And so you think about Solomon's life. He, he, when he was the king in Israel, it was known as the Golden Age. There was no war. He never fought a battle. I mean, he, he never got into battles or wars. It was a peaceful time in Israel's history. And There was Solomon headquartered in Jerusalem, and all those things that I've just mentioned, I mean, if we really broke all that down, that'd be like a five- or six-week study on the life of King Solomon. And as we went through it, we would say, wow, this guy lived a great life. He was the king. He wrote books in the Bible. He had a lot of money. He was wise. Amazing life. And yet, his life came to a sad end, and the reason is he had a divided life. Heart. Now, if you'll open your Bible, you already opened it, but turn over tonight in 1 Kings chapter number 3. I want to show you a verse that I read last Monday morning. I wasn't looking for a sermon. I was just reading my Bible. And on the Bible reading plan that I'm using this year, I was in, and I have been all last week, in 1 Kings. And so on Monday morning, I read 1 Kings chapter 3, and I want you to look at the third verse in that chapter. It says, and Solomon loved the Lord. Say that with me. And Solomon loved the Lord. Now look at the next phrase. Walking in the statutes of his father David. Now, that verse would be a lot better verse 
if after the name David there was a period instead of a comma. I mean, if the verse just said, and Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, period, we would say, man, not only was Solomon a king with wisdom and money and all those other things that he did, but he loved the Lord and he walked in integrity and he followed after God's ways. But after the name David, there's not a period, there's a comma. And this is what got my attention on Monday. Here it is again. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, comma, except that. Say that with me. Except that. Say that again by yourselves. Except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now you say, what's wrong with going to the high places, to the hills, and offering up sacrifices to God? The problem with that was God had forbidden it, because at one time that had been where the pagans went and offered up sacrifices to their made-up gods. And so the people of God had kind of gone there, and we'd say they had kind of rededicated the high places and tried to dedicate it to God, but God said, no, I'm not going to accept that. I don't want you offering up sacrifices to me at the same place where the pagans had been offering up sacrifices to their gods, and so it's not acceptable. And so we read in one verse here that Solomon loved the Lord, and he walked in the ways of God. But then the Bible says, except that, he did this one thing that was not pleasing to God. And so Solomon's heart was divided. Now I want to give you something just to jot down in your outline tonight, if you have your bulletin. And if you don't, you can just listen and follow along mentally. Number one thing I want to bring out of this tonight is simply this. An exception weakens the original statement. An exception weakens the original statement. Now, that's true practically. If you come up to me after the service night and say, John, that was a wonderful sermon, except that it was too long. Well, you've really said to me in a nice way that you didn't like the sermon, right? It really was not a wonderful sermon, but you set it up as a compliment. But then you put a comma and an accept that. If, if somebody comes up to you after, after the service tonight and said, you look fantastic tonight, except for your hair and your outfit. Well, what's left? Except, I mean, what, what, what is that? Or if I said to these graduates, I think you guys are going to do great in college, except for your grades. I think, with the exception of your grades, I think you're going to do great. So if you put a, an accept that, it weakens the original statement. It's true practically, but it's also true spiritually, and it was true here of Solomon. Look at the verse again. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that. He sacrificed on the high places. He did that thing that God did not want him to do. Think about, I was thinking specifically about our graduates as I was preparing this, this message tonight. What if you guys, are gonna, you're graduating, you're about, many of you to go off and, and to begin your college life. What would it be like in six months from now? If your friends in college, your professors at the university, if they said this of you, he loves the Lord and I just made a list of except that, except that he doesn't go to church very much. He loves the Lord. He just doesn't bother to go to church. She loves the Lord, except that she parties a lot. He loves the Lord. He loves God with all of his heart, except that he has a problem with using bad language. You see, if I say you love the Lord, 
Except that you have bad language, except that you don't go to church, except that you're bad to gossip, except that you have a mean spirit, except that you're not nice to people. You love the Lord. See, those exceptions weaken the original statement. And so if I just said of you, he loves the Lord, period, that's good. He loves the Lord, except that. Or if you said of me, John loves the Lord, except that. All these things in his life, they just don't seem to fit. It weakens the original statement. Now, Let's follow that logic and take us right into the, uh, to the second thing I want to say tonight, and that is simply this. An exception in one area of your life leads to other exceptions. An exception in one area leads to exceptions in other areas. We see this in Solomon. Turn to chapter number 6. I want you to see this tonight. In, in 1 Kings chapter number 6, the very last verse, this whole chapter, 1 Kings 6, is talking about how Solomon built the temple. It's giving us all the details of how he went about building this temple. And the last sentence of the last verse of this chapter says, so he was seven years in building it. It took Solomon seven years to build the temple. Now you read that and you think, man, Solomon, he stayed at it. He stuck with it. He, he had an assignment. It took seven whole years. That's a long time. And so we're so proud of Solomon. But now go to chapter 7. And in look, look in verse number one, the very first word is the word but. It's the same way of saying except that. It's an except. But Solomon took 13 years to build his own house. And so if you just read the last verse of chapter 6, Solomon spent seven years building the temple. We would say, man, this guy is dedicated to God's work. But the very next verse says, but he spent 13 years building his own house. Think about that. Solomon spent nearly twice as much time building his house as he did building God's house. Now, could it be that Solomon's priorities were misplaced? Could it be that Solomon was more concerned with having his own house just right than he was having God's house just right? Makes you wonder when you think about the time he spent on both. Now, go to chapter number 11. I'll show you this same thing again. You see at the beginning... Solomon loved the Lord, but he was offering sacrifices to God, which seems like a good thing to do. He was just doing it in the wrong place. And you say, well, that's not that big a deal. Well, to God, it was a big deal. But even to you and to me, if we say that wasn't a big deal, as we follow Solomon's life out, now he's spending more time on his own house than he is God's house. And we come to chapter 11, and the very very first word in the very first verse says, but... Here it is again, but King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. That was who he had initially married was Pharaoh's daughter. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them nor they with you. Surely they will turn your heart, your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. Now watch verse 3. This is an amazing verse. And he had 700 wives. This is amazing to me. 700 wives. Now I was thinking about that yesterday. How many of you watched the royal wedding yesterday? Harry, Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle? Not as many as I would have thought. I, I watched that as much as I could yesterday. And I, li- I like a royal wedding. I really do. But I got thinking as I was preparing this sermon, now Solomon was the king. He was beyond the prince. He was the king. And he had 700 wives. Now we know from another verse in this chapter that Solomon ruled Israel for 40 years. Now I did the math on that. 40 years, 365 days a year, 
That means Solomon was the king for 14,600 days. Now, if you divide 14,600 by 700 wives, that means Solomon got married every 21 days. There was a royal wedding in Jerusalem every 21 days. For the, now, I love a royal wedding, but I can only take about one a decade because it drains me. I'm watching it. I'm the emotions. I'm happy for everybody. But I wouldn't want to turn around in three weeks from now and say, now Prince Harry is marrying so-and-so from the Hallmark Channel. He's marrying so-and-so from, from uh, ABC or this girl from, the, she's a sideline reporter at ESPN. Harry knows all the American girls and he's taking them all over there with him. I mean, every three weeks, that just seems excessive. But that was Solomon. He got married every 21 days on, on the average. And if that's not enough, I mean, you talk about a guy that was, that was smooth with the ladies. Now, this guy was smooth. In addition to his wives, look at it again. Then it says princesses, and then it says, and 300 concubines. So he had these girlfriends in addition to his wives. And it says, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Now look in verse 6. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. And so at the beginning, we read a verse, Solomon loved the Lord, comma, except that he worshiped on the high places. And we say, well, it's not that big a deal. And then we read on and say, Solomon spent seven years building the house of God. Next verse. But he spent 13 years on his own house. say, well, maybe a little bit out of balance there. How does your house take twice as long as God's house? And then we come to this, and it says, God had told Solomon, God had told all the Jewish people, don't intermarry with these girls who worship other gods or else they're going to turn your hearts away from me. And not only did Solomon intermarry, he kept intermarrying, and he did that 700 times. And towards the end of Solomon's life, now instead of saying, and Solomon loved the Lord, it says, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. So we've gone from a man of whom the Bible says he loved the Lord, and now it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And we say, how could a guy go from, from starting so well to finishing so poorly? He got there because he kept making these exceptions. Now, what have I said so far? An exception weakens the original statement. If you say of me, John loves the Lord, but what you're really saying is me, I, I don't love the Lord as much as I should. And an exception in one area leads to exceptions in other areas. Areas. Now let's think just a moment about David and Solomon. David was Solomon's father. Yes or no? Was David a perfect man? No, he's, his flaws are all. Poor David. How would you like your sins to be talked about in every church on every continent for 3,000 years after you died? And Peter and Moses and all these guys, we get up there and think, man, you guys, yeah, you messed up, but we've been talking about your sins for all this time. Well, we know of David's sins. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. That was wrong. See, the Bible doesn't gloss over any of this. It just tells it like it is. God won't gloss over sins in your life or mine. He wants us to deal with them and to repent. So we know that David was not perfect, and yet there was a big difference in how God viewed David's life and how God viewed Solomon's life. God said of Solomon, the scripture says of Solomon, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now look at, go back to chapter 9. I want to show you two very interesting verses about King David. Now, King David died 
in 1 Kings chapter 2. So by the time we get to 1 Kings chapter 9, David has been gone for a good while. Now, what we have is two verses in chapter 9 where God is giving his opinion on David's life, his estimation, his commentary on David's life. And notice what it says, because if you look in verse 3, it says, And the Lord said to him, that is, God is speaking to Solomon, and he had some things to say to Solomon. And in verse 4, God talks to Solomon about David's life. And here's what God had to say about David. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. So what I want to direct your attention to is what God said to Solomon, mainly in verse 4. He says, Solomon, here's a covenant that I'm making with you. If you will walk with me, In the same way that David, your father, walked with me, in integrity and in uprightness of heart, doing those things that I have commanded. Now, is it interesting that after David committed adultery and murder, when God was reflecting on David's life on earth, God did not say, Solomon, Don't you dare walk like David walked because David committed adultery and David committed murder. No. What did God say? God said, Solomon, I want you to be just like your dad. I want you to walk in integrity of heart and in uprightness and in purity, and I want you to keep my statutes. The question is, how could God say that of somebody who had committed adultery and who had committed murder. You see, David had not lived a sinless life. He was far from perfect. And yet in God's reflection on his life, he uses words like integrity and, uh, and uprightness in his heart and in his spirit. And as you compare the life of David to the life of Solomon, here's what you find. Both men were sinners. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Every one of us is a sinner. David was a sinner. Solomon was a sinner. Here's the difference in David and Solomon. David sinned, felt badly about it, repented of it, received God's forgiveness, and moved on in integrity. It wasn't like Solomon slipped up and sinned and did something wrong. It's not even like Solomon fell into a season of sin, repented and got out of it. What happened? Solomon found himself in a lifestyle of sin. And because he had encumbered himself with all these things, the Bible's commentary on Solomon towards the end of his life is, this man who started out so well, this man has done evil in my sight. And so what I'm saying, to me tonight, that thought is a very encouraging thought. David sinned, Solomon sinned, and yet God viewed their sins differently because while David was a great sinner, he was also a great repenter. And sin was not the pattern or the lifestyle for David. Whereas Solomon sinned, but he didn't repent. He just kept sinning, and he kept disobeying, and he kept making exceptions, and he kept saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. I love you, Lord, but I'm still going to go up there and worship on the high place. Lord, I love you with all my heart, but my house is more important to me than your house. God, I love you, and I want to obey you, and I want to be your man. But God, look at these women. They're absolutely beautiful, and I want to take them into my house 
uh, kingdom. I want to take them into my home. I want them to be my wife. And a whole life of that caused Solomon to go down as someone who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And that's why I've titled this sermon tonight, No Exceptions. I thought, Lord, what should I say? I've been preaching this service, graduate recognition, since 1995. So this is my roughly 23rd year to be a part of this service. And I always try to have something for the graduates that is applicable, also something for everybody else that is applicable. But I just felt, Lord, I want to have something tonight that I've never taught on. I want to say something to them that I've never said before. And when I read that verse on Monday morning, Solomon loved the Lord, except that. It was like God spoke to me on two levels and said, first of all, John, I know you love me. But don't let there be any except that, or but, or however, in your, no exceptions. And then the second level was to the graduates. I know you guys love the Lord. I've been with you on a lot of Wednesday nights and, and some of the, sun, I mean, I've been with you in settings. And most of you during that year, not maybe every last one of you, but most of you, I got to know fairly well. I mean, you go up there and Wednesday night, you, I knew who was there and who wasn't there. And I could tell when I'm talking to you, who's listening and who's not, who's paying attention. I always read eyes, who's into it and who's looking at their clock, say, how much long is this thing going to go? And most of you guys were always zoned in. You were always paying attention. You were always listening. And I could tell on your faces and I could tell in your eyes, these students love the Lord. But it was like God said to me, yes, they love me. But there may be some except that's in their lives. There may be some however's in their dedication. And if they don't deal with those exceptions, if they keep compromising in certain areas, it's just a matter of time until one minor compromise. Remember, when Solomon made his first compromise, he was still worshiping God. He just doing it in the wrong place. It wasn't sanctioned by God. And then by the time it's over with, he's in out-and-out disobedience to God, marrying all these foreign women. And students, that's what I'm challenging you to do tonight. I wrote it this way in my notes. I'm not saying live a life of perfection because none of us are perfect and none of us are going to be perfect until we get to heaven. We have sinned and sometimes we do sin. So I'm not saying live a life of perfection. But what I am challenging you guys to do tonight as you begin this new season of your life, I'm challenging you to live a life with no exceptions. And let it be said of you, He loves the Lord, period. She loves the Lord, period. Not He loves the Lord, comma, she loves the Lord, comma, except that, no, He loves the Lord, she loves the Lord, and there's a period right after that. Well, we're out of time, and so we're going to have to stop the sermon right there today, but that's okay. That's probably a good stopping place because it's a good thought, I think, anyway, as we think about David's life and then Solomon's life. Both men had sinned. They had both done things in their life that were wrong, and yet David had repented of his sins, and God had so cleansed him that God said, David walked with me in integrity of heart and in uprightness. I wonder today, could God say that of you? 
You may be thinking, John, I've done some things in my life that I'm so ashamed of that are so that were so wrong, and I just wish that I never would have done any of those things. Well, listen, friend, we've all sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the difference between David and Solomon is simply this. David repented of his sin. He asked God to forgive him. And once he was cleansed, David began anew and he began fresh with God and he pursued a life of integrity of heart and uprightness. And you can do that today. No matter what you've done in the past, you can do that. You can live a life so that after you are gone, that God would be able to say to you, he loved me with all of his heart, period. She loved me with all of her heart, period. They walked before me in integrity of heart and in uprightness. And the sins that you've committed, just like sins in my life and sins in David's life, all of our sins, the blood of Jesus, the scripture says, cleanses us from all sin. So just pray this prayer today. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Cleanse my heart. Come into my life and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. God, give me a new beginning and help me to walk in integrity and in uprightness. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.